Our second scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 25. Uh, this is one of those rare passages of scripture, a dozen verses that pretty much encapsulates the whole of our Christian life and speaks to us of the mystery of the Word of God uh, and of Jesus Christ, who is the living Word of God. We're told in 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 12, that even the angels long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of imperishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Thank you, uh, Greg, for reading that word for us this morning. Well, let's uh, give thanks to God for his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that it is to us, Lord. We thank you that your word stands forever. Father, we pray for the preaching ministry of this church, the teaching ministry of this church, that we will always uphold the integrity of your word in our lives, in our service for you and others. In Jesus' name, Amen. Dear friends, I'm sure most of us enjoy looking at beautiful gardens. And perhaps you take time to uh, smell the roses and uh, look at uh, the flowers around you. Oh, we've got some up here. Look at that. This looks uh, really nice. Oh, Perhaps you like the orchids or the anthuriums. How many of you have anthuriums, by the way? We are the only ones, Rose. No one else. Well, if you're from Sri Lanka, you know that uh, in Sri Lanka we grow anthuriums. They're beautiful flowers. Uh, I have one, we have one, in fact, in our lounge room, and it's growing quite well. Um, and uh, it's a wonderful flower, by the way. So, And uh, maybe the Australian wattle, well-known. And those of you from Holland, of course, the tulips. Who can forget the tulips? And I'm sure you love looking at wonderful 
lawns as well, luscious green lawns. Right. Beautiful grass. If you're playing golf, for example, you well, the golf course. Wow, beautiful lawns, aren't they? Right. Grass, beautiful, lovely grass, beautiful flowers, displaying the wonder of God's creative work. Flowers, they're delicate, beautiful to touch, smell, and to look at. We have a ministry team in this church called the Flower Team. They do a good job every Sunday. Flowers here in this place to beautify this building. Speaking of ministry teams, friends, if you're not part of a ministry team, I want to encourage you to join one. There are forms at the entrance to the church. Please prayerfully consider how you can serve Christ in this place. But friends, sadly, flowers, beautiful as they are, and lovely lawns, they'll fade away and they are soon gone. Grass withers, the flowers fall away, and they are gone. They don't last. They die. Now, in contrast to the grass and the flowers that withers away, Peter reminds us that God's word stands forever. And this is what we see in our text here this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 to 25. I'm not going to read that passage again, but this is the text that we will be looking at this morning, and I want to look at this passage under three points. We want to look at the result, we want to look at the, the regeneration, and thirdly, the reliable word. Let's, let's look at the result, please. Uh, Peter says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. The last few weeks, if you've been here in this congregation, we have been focusing on our study of 1 Peter and the challenge to live holy lives. The Bible tells us that God is our Father, He is holy, and He calls us to live holy lives. Uh, We have seen three specific motivations that Peter gives us in terms of living holy lives. One, God is holy. Secondly, God is our Father. We have a relationship with God. He is our great and generous and wonderful Father. That we can come and cry out to God, Our Father. The Lord's Prayer begins with those words. Paul speaks about the relationship we have with our Father in the book of Galatians. And then God gave us His Son. So we have this threefold motivation to live holy lives. And Peter reminds us that this salvation, this holy living ought to be motivated by the fact that we have been purchased not with uh, silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, by the precious blood of Jesus. And so we preach, Paul says, Christ and him crucified. The gospel must be preached. At the cross, the holiness of God met the love of God to save sinners for the glory of God. Let's remind ourselves of that. At the cross, the holiness of God met the love of God to save sinners for the glory of our God. And this was achieved by the precious blood of Christ shed on the cross once and for all, for our sins. And perhaps someone might ask the question this morning, how do I receive the benefits 
what Christ has done. One, come to Christ today. Trust him. Repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ has many blessings, but its primary purpose is to bring salvation to our souls, to give us a wonderful relationship with our great and wonderful God. And so we noted uh, last time that we are ransomed, we are redeemed, and we are... I don't expect you to remember last Sunday's sermon, do I? That's, just, that's hard. Well, we are ransomed. My, my Bible study group, my growth group should know this. We are ransomed, we are redeemed, and we are reconciled to the true and living God through the work of Christ. All right? And then Peter goes on to speak about the purification of our souls. And how does this happen? What is this thing about purification of our souls? How does, I mean, do we need purification? Well, Peter says this, it happens by obeying the truth. And what is the truth? The truth here in context is the word of God. And this purification is by obedience. Now, friends, I know that there is a great thing that goes around today, this, uh, this detox stuff, right? Have you taken any of the detox stuff that's out on the market today? That you can take this detox medication or whatever it is, and it will clean your system. It will purify your system. They say, now I, I haven't taken it. I'm, I can't say whether it works or not. Maybe some of you have and you are still taking it. And it apparently purifies your system and makes you feel healthy on the inside. I'm sure it does, not only just make you feel healthy, I'm sure it does. And so people take these detox stuff so that it makes them feel purified, feel well. They've got a clean system now. And all systems are going. All cylinders are firing. They feel great. Well, it's a purification about our souls. It comes as we obey God's word. Uh, the word that is used here in the Greek, to hear and obey, it's in fact one word. It comes from two uh, composite words, means to hear and to obey. And the implication, therefore, is not just hearing, but it's hyper-hearing. Uh, Dr. Sproul commented on this, he says this, The hearing that God wants from his people means hearing not only in the eardrum. Sometimes we have difficulties with our hearing, don't we? Right? People in the back there, can you still hear me clearly? Good. <laughs> right? Um, the hearing that God wants from his people means hearing not only in the eardrum, but in the ears of our souls. And such hearing brings change to our lives, which is manifested in obedience. So it is letting the Holy Spirit do his work of transformation in our lives, by applying God's word to our lives, and therefore, in the process, there is the purification of our souls. It comes by obedience to the truth. That is, we obey God's word. It brings about a purification for my soul. It affects the way I live so that I can feel well in my soul. You know that one? It is well, it is well with my soul. Peace like a river. Because when our souls, when our souls are affected and there's stuff going on in our lives, you, 
you are really battling things within you, isn't it? And you really can't experience the peace of God because you're living in, in, in two worlds, as it were. And your soul is troubled. It is affected. It has got sin in it. It's got stuff in it that God wants to purify so that you will be able to enjoy your relationship with him and to enjoy the peace that comes in that relationship. So purification of the soul comes from obedience to the truth of God's word and by the working of the Holy Spirit. Now Jerry Bridges, in his excellent book uh, on, uh, on the, uh, the transforming power of the gospel, it's an excellent read actually, he says this, I know it might be a kind of long quote, but let me just say this, it's a transformation process the Bible describes is much more than a change of conduct or improved human morality. It is actually the work of the Holy Spirit in the very core of our being. In the only two instances in Scripture where the word transformed is used, it occurs both times in the passive voice. We are being transformed and we are to be transformed. In both instances, we are the object, not the agent of the transformation process. The agent is the Holy Spirit. So he takes the word and he begins this transformation process and he's doing a work in your life. Right? If you're a Christian this morning, God is doing a work of transformation, yes? And he's transforming you more and more into the likeness of whom? Of his son, Jesus. And that becomes a process here of sanctification that is made holy when we become Christians and we are growing in our growth in holiness every day. By obedience to God's word. And then the other result of that is Peter says is you have sincere love for your brothers. Remember the command that Jesus gave. A new command I give you. Love one another. Now we all know that, right? We all know that. I'm sure you'll agree with me we need to love one another. But is, is it easy? <laughs> is it easy to love? It's easy to love people who kind of love us, right? That's quite easy. What about trying to love somebody who is not uh, kind of easy to love? Somebody who is challenging. Somebody who is giving us a difficult time, perhaps. Somebody who is really pushing those wrong buttons. They get fired up. Somebody in the workplace that's giving you that hard time in, uh, in the next cubicle next to you. Perhaps in your home, in your relationships. Kind of hard stuff. But God calls us to love. I'll explain that in a minute. Imagine being in a church family where there is ongoing fighting and disunity. Will you want to be part of it? I don't think so. I wouldn't want to be part of it. But we still have these kind of things that goes on in churches, isn't it? The gospel of Christ cannot thrive in such a context. It drains the energy of the church where there is no love. It is a terrible example to our children because our children look at the church family and think, wow, man, these Christians, they can't get along with one another. I don't want to be part of it. As soon as I'm a teenager, I get turned 18, I'm disappearing from the scene. I don't, be, I don't want to be in a church context because all I hear is about arguments and fighting and infighting. But I find peace outside of the church family. That's a terrible example. And I know instances, friends, where kids have actually gone out of churches. Nothing to do with the gospel anymore because 
has been a terrible place to be part of. It's a terrible example to the outside world because they look at us and say, these guys can't get along with each other. They don't even love one another. And it will not be attractive to invite visitors. So Christ calls us to love. And the Apostle Paul says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to that to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. And the reason we can have this kind of love, the reason for this kind of love, this agape love, is because God has changed our hearts. Otherwise, we cannot love the way Christ wants us to love. We need to see that. He, to be regenerated, to having seen God work in our hearts, that kind of love he pours into your hearts and minds. Does he not? Right? He pours out his love so that I'm able to love the unlovable. To love the person that perhaps is tough to love. To love the person who is difficult to get along with. Because God gives us that agape love. A love that says, I am willing to submit in love and reverence for Christ for the sake of my brother and sister in the Lord. Do we see that? That's the kind of love that Peter is speaking of. So, dear friends, we can know, for example, that this kind of love is there in a family when we see it in our relationships, when we see God work in our lives, when we see God work in our homes, where husbands and wives, even though they might have their disagreement, no, they never do, do they? Right? Husbands and wives, they never argue. No way! Of course, of course. But there'll be times you feel, oh, the pressure is too much. Times when you think, oh man, this is, this is hard. God is able to pour out that love that says, I'm a sinner, redeemed by his grace. and I'm called to show love and grace to those around us. Peter moves on and says here about this regeneration. He says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed. Peter tells us that God has caused us to be born again. The idea of being born again, friends, is not something that is uh, introduced to us by Peter. In fact, it was introduced to us by John, by Jesus himself, in his account of the conversation that took place the night between Jesus and... Who's the guy? Oh, Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. And Jesus responded to Nicodemus saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was confused. He asked how such a thing is possible. And Jesus said, Do not marvel that I said this to you. You must be born again. This is a command. It is an imperative. It's not a suggestion. It is a work of the Holy Spirit to make you become born again. You are not a Christian until you are and have been born again. You may be in a church. You may have sat in the church all your life. You may have been in a car or youth group or youth camps or whatever it is. But if you are not born again, you are not a Christian. Is that clear? And we can't make ourselves born again. But it is God's Spirit who is the sole agent 
in what we call in theological terms regeneration. Because someone said to me last week, Chris, you forgot one R. Because we were ransomed, redeemed, reconciled. You forgot one R. I said, what is it? Regeneration. (laughs) Well, that's what we see here in the passage this morning. Regeneration means to be born again. It means God bringing a great work in our hearts. It's the Spirit of God giving us the gift of faith to believe so that we don't boast or take credit in our own salvation. And Peter says, you have been spiritually dead, but Christ has made you born again and he has brought you from darkness. He has lifted you up from the pit. He has put you on a new footing. He has given you salvation. He has given you his Holy Spirit and he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What a thing. So that he has changed my heart and yours from a heart that is cold, a heart that is wicked towards him, to a heart that is now wanting to love and serve him. Is that your heart this morning? The Holy Spirit, my dear friends, is instrumental in bringing, uh, that brings us to new life. This is by the power of God's word. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word. Seed represents life, right? Uh, Seeds contain life-giving properties. Now, I don't know whether you like mangoes. How many of you? I'm sure you like mangoes, right? You have to love mangoes. Come on. When I do, mangoes is one of my favorite fruits. Now, my mother is quite good with her gardening. And she's got two mango seeds, long time back. And she's planted these mango seeds. She's got two pots. And lo and behold, here, right here in Berwick, that tree is growing. <laughs> and each time I go there, she says, oh, look at that mango tree, son. It's growing. Really? It is growing. And, I mean, things can happen here in Victoria. I might have mangoes in that garden. What a blessing that would be. It all came about with just two seeds. And it's growing. Man, I'm waiting for that tree to grow. Mangoes. So here's a seed. They contain life-giving properties. They possess within themselves the power to produce life. And everything that comes to life begins with a seed. For human conception to take place, an egg must be fertilized by a seed, a sperm. Everything that grows from natural seeds is a creation of God. We see this in, the, in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and so it was. And God saw that it was good. All earthly seed is corruptible, it is perishable, Due to sin, it does not last. No earthly seed can produce eternal life. No earthly seed can produce spiritual life. But the seed by which we have been born again is not perishable. It is not corruptible seed. It is the imperishable seed. It is the word of God that does not die, does not, does not, uh, does not bring corruption. It is pure and it brings about new life. An eternal life. That's what we see. When God regenerates a person, the Holy Spirit uses the word to bring new life to that person and it cannot and will not perish. 
How marvelous is that? Because Peter says, for all men, look at the text here. For all men, that's women, some texts have flesh. So all flesh are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Friends, this morning, this is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 40. This is a reliable word. It is it is God's word. It is the truth that cannot be compromised. It is the truth revealed. God's book, the Bible, is not a relic from the past, is it? It is not a museum piece. It's not a museum piece. But rather we read in the book of Hebrews that the word of God is living. It, is, it brings life. It brings dead sinners to be born again by the word of God. It purifies the soul. It nourishes those who are saved by grace. It is the lifeline from the living God. But notice this. All men, all flesh, are like grass. We are here today and gone perhaps tomorrow. Uh, I was speaking with someone in um, working in a nursing home. And I asked this person, what's the most challenging work for you? The person's not a Christian. This person said to me, the most challenging thing for me is this, to see people come in here, and I go into their rooms, and I, after a shift of one week or so, I come back, and they are no longer here. They've died. And that is heart-wrenching. Heart-wrenching. See, we are here today and gone tomorrow. We are temporal, aren't we? The psalmist says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. Wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Is it depressing, friends? In the back of this room, um, in, in the old vestry room, there are photos there of previous ministers. Right? I, I know it might be hard. Uh, I know Anne Innes is here. Uh, and, and we have uh, David's photo there and other ministers there who served. I don't know what they'll do with my photo. There's my photo is there as well. Okay? We'll put uh, John's later on as well. Uh, Fifty years down the track, Unless the Lord comes before that, there's just a photo there. No one will even think. No one will even know Chris River. Don't even worry about it. Do you know all the past ministers of this church? Some of you will know. But others who are new, you won't even know, would you? Do you know who are the past elders of this church? No. Many have come and gone. We'll be just People of the past. Sounds depressing, isn't it? It's not friends. See, Yesterday I um, looked at uh, one of the newspapers. I picked up the obituary section. Now, I know most of you do read the obituary notices in 
the newspapers. And uh, you have people who have played golf and uh, captains of this club and bowling clubs and all gone. Gone. Two pages. So will you be remembered in generations to come? Perhaps not. You'll be yesterday's men, yesterday's women. But God will remember you. If you are a Christian here this morning, then God has given us life. I'll explain that in a moment. But what about each of us here this morning? God has given us life today. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. What will happen to me in the future? The point is this. Don't waste your life. There's a tract written by John Piper on it. Don't waste your life. Invest it for Christ. Invest it to serve the Lord. Invest it to follow our great master. Invest your life so that your life will be a blessing for God in this world. Invest your life wherever God has placed you. In the workplace, at university, at school, at home as a busy housewife, on the bowling clubs, if you're on the golf course, you know, invest your life so that you know for sure what your life is on about. You know for sure why you're here. So that you know for sure who I am and why am I here and what is God's purpose for my life. It's here to remind us of the shortness of life. And I have seen it, and you've seen it, you've experienced it, I've experienced it, seeing people die in front of me. Now, they don't think about all their gold and wealth and everything that they had in their dying moments. No, no. It's about where they're going to spend eternity. So don't waste your precious life, friends. Don't put yourself down as though you are just a poor me person but rather pick up yourself by God's grace. Ask God to do a great work through your life. Let him do a great and powerful work through you so that for the rest of your life, by, from today onwards, that you'll be saying, Lord, I want to live the rest of my life for you and for your glory. Because one day, it'll be like this. The flowers fall, the grass withers, this place is remembered no more. You see, the philosopher does not have the answer to death. The secularist does not. The atheist certainly does not. But yet, yes, friends, the grass dies, and so also the flowers in all their glory. But God has the answers to the issues of life and death and service. Yes, all flesh, all men, all women are like grass. Does God have an answer? Yes. It is here in the word of God. The answer is in the word. The answer is in the word who became flesh, Jesus Christ. And Peter says, this is the word that was preached to you, the gospel. I was encouraged to hear this morning from the PYB camp that the gospel is central. If it's not, don't go. 
Don't go on the camp. That's opposite, isn't it, what we heard this morning. Right? Um, you know, if the gospel is not central for our forthcoming local camp here, then don't waste your money. It's the gospel that drives us, isn't it? It's the gospel of Christ that keeps us going. It's the gospel of Christ that reminds us of God's great love for us, for you and for me, and to serve him. What a great savior we have, friends. What a wonderful savior is Jesus. And it's the gospel that we have good news. It is in Jesus that we have eternal life. And it is in Jesus that we have abundant life. And it is in Jesus that we are ransomed, redeemed, and reconciled by his precious blood and through his glorious resurrection. How about you this morning? If there are anyone here today who has not been born again, is God speaking to you this morning? Perhaps you've sat here many a times. Maybe God is speaking to you and saying, you need to have a relationship with me because your life will one day fade and go away. But when you're with me, my son has died for you so that you will have life with me forever. And it is in the word of God. If you're a Christian and you're born again, then you will live for eternity in heaven with Jesus as opposed to spending eternity in hell. The grass withers, the flowers, they fade and fall away. But God's word stands forever. Because our souls will find rest in God alone. Are you a believer this morning? If you are not, please come and see me. Please come and speak to John. We would love to share uh, this word with you this morning. And those of you who are believers this morning, keep trusting this word, this precious word. Everything will pass, but God's word will endure and stand forever. Amen. Let's pray.